with your eyes. I said, wow, that's amazing. I was actually hoping that I would need glasses just to look smarter. People tend to respect what you say a little bit more if you have glasses on, apparently. Take your Bible and go to Matthew 14. Everybody's standing. Oh, I'm glad today. Because the Raiders are about to beat the Chiefs. This is a Raiders church. Cowboy fans, your church is up the street. 49er fans, y'all ain't even saved. Chiefs fans, you're beyond any kind of remedy. Anyway. Today I'd like to minister a message I've entitled, Sinking and Saving. Sinking and saving. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 up to verse 33. Very familiar portion of scripture. I'm going to read. You don't have to read along with me. Just follow along, please, in your Bible. The word of God says, And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24. And the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves for the wind was against them and in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea Uh, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear next verse please but immediately everybody shout immediately jesus spoke to them saying take heart It's I or it's me. Don't be afraid. Next verse. And Peter. Uh, And Peter. And Peter. You're Peter. I think more than any other disciple in the Bible, we... We can relate to Peter more than any of them. Cussing Peter. Cutting people ear off Peter. You can catch me in my boat fishing, Peter. Yeah. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, help me read. If it's you. Next verse, please. And he said, everybody reading now. And he said. So Peter, verse 30, Lord, save me. And Jesus told him, no, I'm not going to save you. I'm going to let you suffer for a little while. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. What does it say? And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Stop. For years we've heard this text preached to us, magnifying the faith of a man. But this morning we're going to be challenged as we take a fresh look at the text 
and see that it's not the faith of Peter that should be magnified, but the power of God's word. Why'd you doubt? Verse 32. We got to move quickly. Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 33. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, Father, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would grant me clarity of mind and precision of speech. Give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Father, I pray that your people would be edified and that your name be glorified. Father, we thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. The story of Jesus walking on the water appears in all the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's only in the Gospel of Matthew that we read the account where Peter steps out of the boat and walks on water. I need to give you background as I move quickly. If you're familiar with the chapter, you know that Jesus has just finished feeding upwards of seven to 8,000 people. Your Bible says 5,000, but it's only counting the men. It doesn't count the women and the children. After being fed, according to John chapter 6, the Bible says that the people worshiped Jesus and they desired to crown him as their Messiah. They wanted him to take dominion and power. John 6 says that it's for that reason that Jesus asked the disciples to quickly get into the boat and head to Capernaum. Your Bible says that as they headed, as the disciples got into the boat and made their way to Capernaum, that Jesus dismissed the crowds on his own and afterwards made his way up a mountain to pray by himself. The Bible says around the fourth watch of the night, that means scholars believe that it was in between 3 a.m., 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, 2 to 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, any time around that time is when Jesus coming down from the mountain after praying for his disciples, he comes down from the mountain and begins to walk on the stormy sea and makes his way towards the disciples who were in the boat. It's interesting to note that every time it seems, every time that the disciples got into the boat with Jesus or without Jesus, something always had to pop off. The disciples get into the boat. They're making their way to Capernaum. The other gospels say that they had exhausted their strength trying to make it to the other side. There's a key point there that I cannot gloss over. It is oftentimes when we are at the end of ourself that Jesus comes and shows himself to us in a way that we have not known him previously. God will allow you to come to the end of your resources, the end of your strength, the end of your intelligence, the end of your education, the end of you to bring you a fresh revelation and understanding of his grace, his mercy, and his saving power. Now, by this time, the storm was raging. The waves were crashing against the boat. And as Sister Tobar shared uh, with me earlier, these men who were in the boat were not, they were not new to the water. And they were not afraid necessarily of the storm. Your Bible says that they cried out in fear. Another version says that they were terrified, literally terrified, because as they looked over the stormy waters, they saw what they believe to be a ghost isn't it something that you can walk with Jesus talk with Jesus experience the ministry of Jesus and yet not recognize Jesus in your stormy season 
Ah, y'all didn't come to church today. There is indeed a biblical precedent for us. Please hear me. That is found in the text before Peter walks on water. And that is this. You might not always be able to perceive who Jesus is in your stormy season. But don't fear. He's about to make his way to your boat. And he's about to reveal to you his grace and his power to save you even when you're sinking in the storm. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know some of you like to boast upon your knowledge of Jesus. You've been serving the Lord since 1986 and you think that you have him covered. You think that he's never going to show you another side. But I submit to you this morning that when you hit a stormy season, God has a way of showing himself to you afresh and anew. I know you think you have God in your box. I know you think you have him all figured out. But God is able to show himself to you in a way you've never seen before. Now that brings us to Peter. Somebody shout Peter. And Peter. The Bible says and Peter. We don't know what caused Peter to cry out unto the Lord. We don't know. We're not told why he was the only one who to call out unto the Lord. But there were other people in the boat that day. But the Bible only mentions one. And that man was Peter. Peter. I relate with Peter because I believe. I'm a believer. I'm a man of faith. We are people of faith. Yet at the same time, there are times that my faith goes through storms. There are times that my faith causes me to question, is it really you, God? And I know you're not going to raise your hand and you're not going to shout amen because you're trying to act spiritual in front of the neighbor sitting next to you. But Peter was the only one. Somebody shout only one. Peter was the only one who said, Jesus, is it you? Don't ever be afraid to ask, Lord, is this you? Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't ever, don't ever, 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 ever be afraid to say, Lord, is this you? In fact, some of you could have avoided the situation that you're in if you would have only taken a moment to say, Lord, is this you? My God, I'm preaching better than your amen. And that man wasn't sent by God. You should have prayed, Lord, is he from you? That woman wasn't the one. You should have asked, Lord, is this? you that business move wasn't God but you should have asked Lord is this you Peter asked Lord is it you he says Lord is it you Uh, Peter's the only one in the boat it begs me to wonder what happened to all the other people in the boat why didn't they ask Peter was the only one how do you say atrevido he was bold he was uh, he was a little wild. Come on, it's all right to tell the truth. He was a Peter, was Peter. And he was the only one to say, Lord, is it you? If it's you, then command me to come. Uh, when was the last time you saw somebody walk on water? Uh, it's never happened. I think we read the Bible as if it's not factual. We read, as a, we read it as if it's fiction. We read it as if it didn't really happen. Jesus was really walking on the water, and Peter was really about to do the same. So Peter calls out to Jesus, are you with me still? Peter calls out, look at your Bible. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He didn't say, Lord, if it's you, let me swim over. He didn't say, Lord, if it's you, cast a net. He didn't say, Lord, throw me a lifeboat. No, he said, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on water like you're walking. And the Lord simply said, come. 
I want you to notice this didn't come out during first service, but your pastor's head is so full of a bunch of things that oftentimes the Lord decides what he's going to say to whatever service is there. Notice that the Lord never said, it is I. I love the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm goofy. I'm a nerd. Please forgive me. Notice Brother Tony Peter's question. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. When did Jesus say it's me? He didn't. All he said was, come. He didn't say, yeah, he didn't say, Peter, it's I. Peter, yeah, it's me. It's me. It's really me. He said, just come. Somebody shout, come. He said, come. He said, come. And Peter did the unthinkable. Peter did what you and I would not do. I'm going to tell, I'm going to be honest. I know, I know y'all are great people of faith and you never doubt God. Pray for me. Pray for me though. I struggle with my faith. I, I have ups and I have downs. Sometimes I believe, sometimes I don't believe. But I'm glad that even when I am not faithful, he remains faithful to his word. So Peter's crazy enough to put one leg over the other and watch. He steps out onto the wavy sea. Can you imagine this? What do you think all the other disciples said in the boat? Thank you, Brother Tony. Everybody else is acting like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe they begin to intercede. No, they said, you're crazy. I can imagine one saying, ah, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> Peter, Peter, here we go. Here, Peter, man, Peter, I'm, I'm tired of Peter. Peter put his leg over the boat and he began, listen, he began to defy the laws of gravity and physics. And he began to supernaturally walk upon the water. Incredible. Now, the first thing that I want you to see here is this. If we are not careful, we are given to think that it was Peter's faith that sustained him. But I submit to you this morning as we look to the word of God, number one, that it wasn't Peter's faith that kept him afloat. It was Jesus. Now, you're not really celebrating that truth yet because I need to lay, I guess, a greater foundation for you. How do we know that it wasn't Peter's faith that sustained him? How do we know that it was Jesus that sustained Peter? Because Peter didn't step out of the boat until the Lord said, come. If it was Peter's faith that sustained him on the water, then he would have jumped out without the Lord saying, come. Peter didn't move until the Lord said, come. I'm going to repeat myself one more time. Peter didn't move until the Lord said, come. It was at the word of the Lord that Peter stepped over the boat. It was at the word of the Lord that Peter said, I'm going to jump out of this boat. It was at the word of the Lord. It was the word of Jesus. It was Jesus himself that commanded the waves to support the weight of a man named Peter. I submit to you today, contrary to popular Christian culture, that our faith must not be in our faith. You've never heard 
somebody exhort you and admonish you to be weary. But here's the application that we need to hide in our heart this morning. Because if we're not careful, the enemy's strategy is to get you and to convince you that your faith needs to be in your faith. Your faith has to be in your ability to believe God. I'm grateful this morning that even when my faith was weary, even when I didn't have the, come on, even when I didn't have the capacity to say, God, I believe you're going to do it. God stepped in because he is not depending upon my ability to have great faith. Even if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, what does that tell me? That tells me that God isn't in heaven expecting me to be something that I'm not, but he sees the faith that he gave me and my response to him, my ability to say, God, even though it's hard for me, even though it's crazy, my faith is not in my ability to believe. My faith is in Jesus. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in his word. We have Christians right now, some of you are here right now, and you're struggling because you're saying, God, I need more faith, I need more faith. It's not that you need more faith, you need to, re- we need, you need to shift the object of your faith. You see, faith always has an object. I was trying to be good and stand behind the microphone, but you're making me take it now. Faith always has an object. Your faith has an object. That means that your faith is in something or your faith is in someone. The question is, and you have to answer it honestly, what is the object of your faith? For most of the church, the object of their faith is their own faith. The object of their faith is their ability to believe. Now riddle me this, what you going to do when your faith is weary? If your faith is in your faith, what are you going to do when you go through a stormy season? If your faith is in your faith, what are you going to do when you're struggling to believe God's promise for your life? Let me help you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. So Peter teaches us, please hear me, you have to know that it wasn't Peter's faith that caused him to step out of the boat. It was the word of Jesus that caused him to step out of the boat. Please hear me. And it wasn't the water that Peter stepped out to walk on. It was the word that he walked on. Peter walked on water. Peter walked on the word. Somebody shout, Peter walked on the word. What sustained him? It was the word of Jesus. What was holding him up? The word of Jesus. Well, no, no, no. You're tripping, Pastor. It was Peter's great faith, was it? When Peter, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. It's all right. When Peter began to sing, Jesus takes him by the hand and he says, Oh, you of great faith. So for all the Pentecostal preachers that get up here and say, I want faith like Peter to step out of that boat. I'm about to walk on that water because God's given me a supernatural faith. Supernatural faith, great faith. God, Jesus never says, Peter, whoa, what great faith you had. No, he said, oh, you of little faith. My God, you riddle me this. You mean to tell me that Peter was able to walk on water on little faith? Here's the point. Instead of magnifying and elevating a man, Instead of celebrating Peter's great faith, why don't we see what the Bible says clearly to us? Recognize that Peter didn't have great faith. He had little faith. But he had a great God. Oh, y'all ain't here today, but I feel it up in here. Come on, I'm trying to encourage 
Some of you, how many can be honest today and say, hey, pastor, I came. Come on, Brother Flores. I came tired. I came a little bit weary. I came a little bit beat up, to be honest with you. But I'm glad that God will meet me where I am right now. And instead of condemning me, he doesn't beat me up. He reaches out his hand. He pulls me up. Come on. He pulls me up and saves me when I'm sinking. I came to encourage everybody that says I don't have great faith. Then you're the perfect candidate to experience the saving power of a God that sees us, knows us, and still saves us when we're sinking. Somebody shout hallelujah. Sinking leads to saving. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in Jesus. I'll say it again. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. I hear people all the time saying, well, how about you psyching themselves? I got this. Whew, I got it. Whew, I got this. I got, baby, you got and we And you look at your mirror and you're man, you got this. You got this. You got this. And then what? The only thing you got was a face plant. You talk to yourself, oh, not today, devil, not today, not today, today. I, got, I'm, I am more than, and I'm this, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and you walk right into failure. Here's why. Because somewhere along the line, you were led to believe that your faith has to be in your ability to have faith. And so when we lack faith, when our faith is struggling, you want to know what we do? Instead of, instead of drawing near to Christ, we draw further away. Man, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm struggling to believe. And people say, Pastor, I, I want to go, but yeah, my faith is struggling. My faith is weak. Minister Wilson, a, a man of God, texted me a few days ago and said, Pastor, I'm really struggling with my faith. And I sent him back the emoji that's laughing with tears coming out of the eyes. If you hit LOL in your iPhone, it's going to be an emoji with water coming out of the eyes with a big smile. You know that one? And I sent him that emoji. And he sent me a question mark like, are you laughing at my lack of faith? I said, my brother, I'm not laughing at your lack of faith. I'm just laughing at the enemy's strategy that he's using with you. He said, what? I said, yeah. The devil has you convinced that because your faith is struggling, that God has abandoned you and has forsaken his promise. He's got you believing that your faith has to be in your faith. I said, so refocus, shift your attention back to Jesus because he'll never fail you. I wish I had a church that would clap their hands and give God a praise because you know that he'll never fail you. Come on. I wish I had a church that would say, my God, I'm glad that when I wanted to drift away, when I was sinking, he reached out his hand and pulled me up. Number two, we got to move quickly. I'm aware of the time. Number two, uh, Peter began to sink when his faith shifted. I got to move quickly here. Peter began to sink when his faith shifted from the firmness of Jesus' word to the instability of his circumstances. And this is a word for many of you here right now. Everything in your life, if it seems to be topsy-turvy, some of you say, some of you came this morning saying, I lack stability, financial stability, emotional stability, marital stability, stability with my children. And you came here saying, I'm, I'm all over the place. Get your eyes off of your circumstances and put them back on Jesus. 
Give me the text, please. Give me the Bible. I, I want you to see here because I want you to understand that even though Peter walked on the water, oh my God, he was afraid of the wind. Now, your Bible says, give me the text, give me the verses. I want to walk through it quickly. Your Bible, turn to your neighbor and tell him your Bible. Give me the verses. Even if you began at the beginning, give me the verses. But when he, now help me read it. Ready? Read. Wait, read it con ganas. Ready? Read. Stop. Adrian, you're a smart man, right? I believe you to be a smart, you have, right? You're, you're above, you have above intelligence. Uh, can I ask your wife, isn't he a smart man? Isn't he a smart man? Now's your chance to say yes. Very, thank you. I'm trying to help you out, brother. Ready? All right. Answer me this. When was the last time you saw the wind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never. You can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. When was the last time you saw the wind? Don't be afraid to answer. You can't see the wind. Right? But you know it's there because you see what the wind causes. You can walk outside and be like, I'm going to see the wind. No, you don't see the wind. The only thing you can do is see the effects of the wind. That's why your eyes can never be set upon your circumstance. Because what we have is a group of believers. Ready? Your vision is set on what the wind is doing. Your Bible says that Peter saw the wind. Uh, you can't see the wind. All you can do is see the effects of it. And what, you're, what has you tembleleke, to use a word my mama used to use, what has you tembleleke is the effects of the wind. You're, af you're afraid of something you cannot see. Y'all didn't come to church today. I said, you're afraid of something you cannot see. I'm afraid of who's the next president, what the economy is going to do, and how am I going to make it, how am I going to survive? And you're afraid of something that you cannot see. Get your eyes off of your circumstances and put them back on Jesus. Here's the application. It's real simple. Y'all ready? Look to Jesus. Hallelujah. Look to Jesus. I said hallelujah. I don't say hallelujah because I don't have anything better today. I'm saying it on purpose. Look to Jesus. Hallelujah. And keep looking. Here's the application. Look to Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. Trust his word over your perceptions. Well, Pastor, you want, me to, you want me to act like I don't have a storm raging? No, I never told you to be blind to your situation. What I told you was to trust the word of the Lord over what you can perceive happening. Because God will deliver you in the middle of your situation. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There's a man by the name of Daniel who said, I'm not going to stop praying. I don't care what you do. They threw him in the lion's den. And my Bible, I feel the Holy Ghost. And my Bible 
Bible says that Daniel was able to lay his head on the mane of a lion because the Lord shut the mouths of those hungry lions. If God will keep you in the middle of the lion's den, if he'll deliver you from the fiery furnace, come on, then why won't you praise him now? Even though everything's topsy-turvy, get your eyes off of your circumstances and look to Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. A pastor work is bad. Look to Jesus. A pastor, my kids are acting a fool. Look to Jesus. Really? Look to Jesus? That's what you got? Yeah, what else do you have? You got something better? You have something better than Jesus? Dr. Phil ain't going to help it. Oprah can't deliver you. But there is a man, my God in heaven, there is a man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth who is walking on top of what you're afraid of. Come on, talk to me in here. There is a man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth that has the power to deliver you when you're sinking. Somebody shout, Jesus. What's his name? What's his name? Look to Jesus and keep looking there. It is the strategy of your enemy to always get you to shift your faith away from Christ. The devil doesn't have to reinvent the wheel with you. He wants you to take your eyes off of Jesus. He wants you to shift your affection. Come on. He wants you to shift your faith away from Christ, away from the cross, away from what Jesus has already done for you. He wants you to put your faith in self, your faith in your power, your faith in your ability. Ooh, somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. He wants you to put your faith in your prayer life. He wants you to put your faith in your fasting. Ain't nothing wrong with praying. Pray, baby. Pray, 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 pray. Ain't nothing wrong with fasting. Fast, fast, fast as he leads you. But the moment that your faith shifts, to what you're doing instead of what he's already done you're in trouble look to Jesus and keep looking to Jesus somebody shout amen Amen. Jovan look to Jesus and keep looking to Jesus because your enemy wants to shift your attention shift your devotion shift your faith away from Christ and he wants you to look to self look to others look to your situation keep your eyes on Jesus Thirdly, we got to move quick. I'm almost done. Praise God. I'm sorry. I'm excited. Peter sinking is what led to his saving. I noticed that you're either getting tired, you're ready for the Chiefs to get beat by the Raiders. I don't know what's going on with you, but it was his sinking that led to his saving. What would happen if the church today would learn how to praise God for every storm? Oh, I'm going I'm to make some people upset right now. I'm sorry. I made the 8 o'clock service mad too. And they're a tougher crowd because there's only about 40 of them in the morning. Y'all, y'all, I get lost in the faces. The Bible never tells believers. Oh, The Bible never instructs believers to speak to their troubles. If you find it, tear it out of your Bible and hand it to me and I'll eat the paper. That's a challenge. I challenge you to find it in here. Go ahead. Spend all day. Go on Google. Just Google it. Google it. Google it. What, Pastor? But I've been talking to my trouble. How's that working out? Why are y'all scared to talk to me? Talk talk to your trouble. Okay, how's that working out? Here's here's what I mean to say. Don't don't flip out on me. Instead of talking to your trouble, why don't you talk to God? I'm going to speak to my storm. 
Instead of speaking to your storm, why don't you call out to Jesus? You see the difference? Show me the text where you're encouraged to do that. You ain't going to find it. What you will find, though, is that when Peter began to sink, that was his moment to cry out. I need a church that's able to say, God, I thank you for every... Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. How are you going to rebuke the wind and the waves that Jesus allowed to come? (laughs) How are you going to rebuke the wind and waves that Jesus allowed to come? Ah, What would you say if I told you that Jesus ordained your storm? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, let me go to the back. Where's Junior at? There you are, buddy. Get ready, buddy. It's, it's a, we, we might have to run out the back door tonight. What would I told y'all in the back? What would I told you if I said that Jesus ordained that storm? So you're rebuking. You're taking authority over the wind and the wind. And it, and it ain't stopping. Here's why. Because the Lord sent that storm. Uh-oh. I didn't expect for you to shout amen because who wants to say amen over the trouble? But... You didn't, you didn't even pray until trouble hit you. You didn't learn how to worship God until you experienced such a pain in your soul. You didn't know how, come on, you didn't learn how to cry out to him. You didn't learn that he was trustworthy until everybody else left you high and dry. You didn't learn that he was faithful until everybody else abandoned you. How many have experienced for yourself that he is trustworthy, that you can call upon the Lord and he will save you? How many can say, Pastor, I know that if everybody else leaves me, he will never leave me or forsake me. How many of you can testify that when you ain't got anybody else to call, you can call upon the name of the Lord and he will deliver? I wish somebody would testify that you didn't know he was a healer until you needed healing in your body. You didn't know he was a deliverer until you went through hell and high water. You didn't know he was a friend until all your friends left you hanging. What would you say if I told you that he ordained the storm to save you while you were sinking? I got to close. Back to you, my friend. Have you ever sunk in water before? Have you ever almost drowned, got into it? Do you know what it's like to sink? Yes, no. Yes. How many know what it's like to sink? Raise your hand. We're out of time. Raise your hand if you said, okay, how many of you, are you sinking? I mean sinking, sinking. Yes? What was that like? Talk to me. What was it like? What was it like, Chris? Have you ever been sinking? Sinking? What was that like? Okay, okay, let me ask you a question. You're, you're, a, big, you're a big brother, right? You're, you're strong and burly. Did you sink slowly? Thank you, my brother, for your honesty. Y'all didn't see him because he's a quiet man, but he was like this. Let me ask you a question. Uh, did, you, did you sink slowly? How'd you sink? What? Thank you, my brother. You sank fast and hard. But notice your Bible says, my God, your Bible says that Peter began to sink. There's no beginning to sink. Somebody shout grace. grace. You're not here. Somebody shout Grace. grace. As Peter began, I want you to see him like in mud. It was a slow, because you crack before you crumble. But but even in this, even in his sinking, we see God's grace. 
Because he didn't just sink like you and I sink. The Bible says that he began to sink. He began to sink. But he had enough time. Now, I promise you, Chris, when you sank that day, you didn't have enough time to call on anybody. You went straight down. But your Bible says that he began to sink, but he had enough time to do what? To cry out. Cry out what? Jesus, save me. <laughs> Look, give me the text because Junior come. <clears throat> Junior come before they mug us. <clears throat> give me the text. Jesus, watch now. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. Oh, the church likes to condemn. The church likes to beat people up when they're, when they're sinking. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't say, you see, Peter, this is your problem. He reached out immediately and said, hey, give me your hand. He took him by the hand. And what did he do? He pulled him out and said, what? Oh, you of what? Oh, you of? Little faith. Oh, you of what? Little faith. So let's, start, let's change the narrative. The next time you hear a preacher say, Peter, had a, Peter was a great man of faith, stop him. Go, the Bible says he had little faith. Who's the great one in the story? Jesus. Okay, I got to finish. But I got to finish asking you a question, the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Here it is, Peter, because that's us. Ready? Here it is. Why are you doubting Jesus? Peter didn't have a reason to doubt him. So watch what Jesus, give me the text, give me the text real quick, give me the text, give me the text, give me the text. I'm sorry, give me the text. I got to preach third service right now. He immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, what did he ask him? Oh, you have little faith. What, what, what's the question at the end? Why did he doubt? Hey, why do you doubt? I asked the question at first service, I'm going to ask you, why are you doubting Jesus right now? Has he given you a reason, a valid reason to doubt him? I'm going to give you, this is going to be strange. It was strange when the Lord gave it to me too. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you valid reasons to doubt Jesus. Ready? Ready, Eric? I'm going to give you reasons to doubt him. Okay? Check them off if they apply. Number one, if you have found God to be unfaithful to his promise, then you have a valid reason to doubt him. Doubt away. No? No? All right. Number two. Here's, here's, your, here's your chance to doubt him. Ready? Number two. Here it is. Ready? If time has shown you that God cannot be trusted. No? How long have you been serving Jesus? Say that again. 30 years. I feel the anointing of God in this house right now. God, I feel his anointing right now. Some of you came doubting and he's saying, why are you doubting me? 30 years. Let me ask you a question. In 30 years, can you testify that God can be trusted? Can you trust him? Are you sure? Absolutely sure. Does anybody agree with her? third reason to doubt him maybe this one's maybe here's the winner minister ready if your problem is new maybe it's a 2019 kind of problem something God's never seen before talk to me 
if your problem's new and extremely difficult for God and you're certain that he can't help you then keep doubting but how many know that there's nothing too hard for God we're almost done with the list if God has eliminated his promises and they're no longer valid, then you have reason to doubt him. But how many know that your Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus? Last reason to doubt him. Here it is. Ready? If God has changed. Don't preach my sermon. What is it? Yesterday. What is it? He's the what? He's the, he's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm out of time. I'm calling all the Peters. I'm calling everybody out who has little faith to step out of that boat and walk on a word before Peter walked on water he walked on the word before he stepped out of the boat he stepped out in faith not in his own faith but his faith in Jesus look to him and keep looking to him Father, I thank you for your word. I sense in my 